Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner and user of Mint Mobile, with a special holiday message. If you sign up now for three months, you get three months free on every one of our plans, even unlimited. Now, I realize this is more of a holiday offer than it is a holiday message, but if you read between the lines, you can see a message in there. It says we love you. Visit mintmobile.com slash switch for the offer. Limited time, new customer offer. Activate within 45 days. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Unlimited customers using more than 40 gigabytes per month will experience lower speeds. Video streams at 480p. See mintmobile.com for details. This is My Kind of Weird, a podcast where two people swap and pitch three types of media, something watchable, something readable, and something listenable, to see if at the end of the pod each person says, that's my kind of weird. I'm your host, Anthony Pollock, and joining me today is voice actor Melissa Medina. Hello. Melissa, are you ready to get weird with me? Absolutely. I live for it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Melissa, present your something watchable. Okay. Um, my something watchable was um, a Gretzko. Um, ha- I don't, have you seen it before? I haven't, but I, I think there's a comic book out of it. I think I've read that, but yes. I no, I I think I've actually correct I'm correcting myself here. I think I've maybe seen an episode. Okay, okay. Um yeah, so I guess I'll explain it. I I just love Agretzko for a lot of reasons. Um, probably for selfish reasons, that it is essentially like the story of my life all through my twenties. <laughs> I mean like everything. How so? Um, uh it, so, like, her, it, it's in a certain place in her life, or, and I think in a lot of people's life, where uh, she has this detachment and willingness to, like, put her own needs on the shelf for everyone else. She's willing mm. to just take crap from everyone. And then all of a sudden, she finds an outlet for all of this, like, uh, pent up rage <laughs> and overflow <laughs> of emotion that comes from that. Um, and in Agretzko, it's singing metal music like a god. Um, and <laughs> yeah, for me, it was singing. Um, but I even worked like in the corporate world for m- more years than I want to talk about. Yeah, my um, condolences. Right. Yeah. Um, but during that time, even there's a there's a, a section in Agretzko where a couple of like high powered women managers took her under their wing. They were strong and like assertive and smart and beautiful. And that happened to me, too, when I was doing that. I was in the IT industry and 90 percent of that workforce is men, you know, Um and so it was like, these women are, man, you know, they're directors. I was a manager. They're directors. And it's just, oh, they're so awesome. Um, <laughs> but, um, it, you know, it, they helped me kind of like find myself and stand up for myself and, and say like, hey, why are you being a doormat? Um, so mm. the whole the whole of Agretzko is just really relatable for me. Uh, and pretty much probably anyone that had a has a nine to five office job because like you react to that environment in one of several ways, right? Like pure rage. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is what I did. Often, uh, often internal. You'd want to actually, if it's not internal, you, you're not exactly staying in the corporate world yeah, very long. Exactly. Yeah. Or you repress it until you explode. Mm. Yep. Um, or like complete detachment. 
Yep. Or you uh, completely drink the Kool-Aid and you buy into corporate structure and kissing butt and, you know, all of that stuff. Mm, and mm. Um, But Agretzko is just like intensely funny to me because it captures all that um, yep. and it captures women pretty well. Um, I don't think it was written by a woman, though, which is weird. But um, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, like, you know, um, themes of learning to speak up for yourself and stuff. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of like a welcome change, isn't it? Especially, I, I think anime has it sort of walks this tightrope of what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. And there's a lot of <laughs> animes that aren't appropriate that are just kind of like, well, this is us. Um, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and the not appropriate ones are often very, especially the, the sort of the ones that started in the eighties and nineties are. Mm. often very misogynistic and things like that and yes. they, they just don't shy away from it um uh dragon ball comes to mind um <laughs> there's all sorts of things that are wrong about about uh that uh anime that uh that we could talk about sure. forever really but um sure. product of the time right yeah totally totally and i think well not just that but uh you speak before about sort of being a doormat and things i guess um mm-hmm. Uh, animes back then were like that because we allowed them to be like that. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I've just had a look. Um, I have actually, I've read the comic book. It's out through Oni Press and I remember it just being a lot of fun. Why do you think people should check this out? Um, I think because it's something different, because you see a female character being uh, angry and that's not something that you that you get to see in a way that is... Uh, not only in, uh, permissive but empowering, and right. yeah. um, I think that alone is reason to watch it. But mm. it's often too that this this person is not a perfect character. She screws up a lot and yeah. makes a lot of mistakes. And I think that more people need to see characters that are flawed, especially women, um, yeah. even if yeah. they're little kitty cat fox creatures or whatever that sing metal uh something (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is great because uh uh women often make some of the best uh female singers so um you know um and metal singers as well um do you have a favorite metal singer Ooh, you know what i don't i feel like i've been really out of touch with metal music but um i was (laughs) Yeah, your, really um, your something too. listenable kind of gave that away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Um, no, I I was I went through a very big metal phase, but it was mostly like really crazy stuff like Guar and uh, yeah. uh, right, <laughs> Trivium and In Flames and stuff like that. But yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah. the the late nineties, early aughts stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm guilty of that as well. Um, <laughs> I think uh, what's great about this, what you've chosen, is that I feel like there needs to be more of this of media of, that just represents uh, women, people of colour, et cetera, et cetera, mm. who can be outraged, who don't feel like they need to repress it. I mean, yeah. as a white straight male, <laughs> I can... You know, I can go on a rage, I can go on a rant and, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, pinned down to being called that I'm acting, you know, inverted commas, hysterical or I'm acting crazy or or I'm I'm not a person of colour and it's not, you know, don't have to have that fear of, you know, 
being locked up or anything like that. So I feel like the more that we allow for positive representation of of any sort of minority group uh, where where they can feel like they can um, show their emotions, even mm-hmm. the more negative emotions, then it's it's only a good thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, it normalizes the whole human experience. It makes them appear fully human, which is nice, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Now, my something watchable is Techno Man, or yes! if you're a... Uh, if you're that hardcore into anime, Tekken Man, as, as it's known in Japan. Yes. Invaders attacked in the year 2087. The Space Knights are all that stands between Darkon and the destruction of Earth. Earth shall belong to me! You'll never get this planet as long as I am here to defend it. You said you were finding it hard to find Techno Man, uh, Melissa. Um, yes. Had you not seen it before? I had never, I had never seen it. I'd never heard of it. I am woefully undereducated when it comes to anime, so it was actually really nice to check it out. I, f- I eventually found it on YouTube. I was trying to find it on all the streaming services, couldn't find anything. I was like, well, yeah. well I guess I'll try YouTube. Sure enough, bam, right on YouTube. <laughs> and, and how deep did you go with it? I think I'm like, I want to say eight, eight or ten episodes in, full episodes, mm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a whole yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting because it, it reminded me of some of the other ones that I grew up watching uh, more in the mm. movie categories. Okay, um, yep. But uh, but the show, I could just see like, oh, this is following this very uh, well-done formula um, yeah. But it's uh, it seems very confident in itself, more so than some of the other ones. Yeah, and originally it was just sort of a self-contained season. There is a second season, but I've I don't think I've ever been out able to find it, so I've not seen it. Mm. But this it's very um, I mean it lends well to binging for sure because it's almost yes. like a giant movie. Um, yeah, from memory, I think there's only about maybe 30 episodes or something along those lines. But uh, okay. for those listening who haven't checked out Technoman, a.k.a. Techoman, it is basically about these space knights who, well, um, initially it's about this invasion that's, you know, wanting to take over the Earth, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's this invasion force is led by these sort of evil space knights and then there's sort of one space knight that's facing up to them called Blade. Now, Blade... Um, spoilers, by the way, Melissa, sorry. Um, <laughs> you find out later on that uh, the the evil space knights are actually members of uh, Blade's family. So, <gasps> sorry. <laughs> no, <that's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the, uh, the reveal around how that comes about will still leave you uh, surprised um, in yeah. terms of how sci-fi this goes. Um, the only sort of problem I think anyone would have with this uh, this show, apart from it just being a lot of fun, is that the love interest, and I can't remember her name, um, but uh, Blade's love interest, she kind of loses herself in him as you get further mm. into the show, which mm. is really disappointing because when she's initially introduced, she's uh, kind of this 
you know, this bold woman. She's supposedly a scientist. She's yeah. working with a group to uh, to help with the defense of Earth and all those sorts of things. And but she loses herself in this guy. This guy who, for the most part, isn't really interested at all. So <laughs> it's kind it's of, difficult. I guess, a hallmark of uh, a lot of anime shows, though. Yeah, yeah. I actually, that's funny though because I I actually really liked her. There's a part where she's like, "I'm a scientist and I'm doing this," and at one point the guy's acting up and she punches him in the face, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. that's interesting." Yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay. interesting for the '90s as well, which is when it came out. Because I don't, mm-hmm. um, I don't really know if back then they were consciously thinking, you know, empowered woman punching inappropriate, inappropriate dude in the face, <laughs> or if they were just doing it because they think it's oh, a woman punching a man, ha 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 ha, you know? Yeah, she's um, hysterical. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, Melissa, present your something readable. Okay. Um, so, something readable is uh, Sex Criminals. Had, had, I'm sure you've probably heard or read that before, right? Yeah, probably. I've heard of it and I read okay. up on it, but I haven't read it. And, <laughs> uh, but uh, present your pitch. All right. So, um, Sex Criminals is a comic series written by Matt Fraction and I think illustrated by. Chip Zdarsky, I believe. Yep. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay. It's it's been a while since I read it, but I I believe it has ended. By the way, I don't usually start comic series unless I know they've ended. I don't know why. It's just because I don't have to keep buying things. Um, yeah. To be honest, but- I think it's pretty smart. <laughs> Otherwise, you just go into this whole rabbit hole that just never yes. ends. Exactly. Um, so it's a comic in which the two main characters, Suze and John, hook up one night, and then they discover that they both have the same kind of uh, I guess we could call it a superpower um <laughs> <laughs> both of them both of them can stop time when they have an orgasm okay and because they have is, now is found- that how it works for everyone <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> for a little bit um but yeah and because they've now found each other or another person who can do it they think what are the odds? You know, this is faded. And they decide to pair up and maybe rub a bank just to, you know, push the limits of their powers and stuff. Um, So that's the synopsis, generally speaking. But um, the reason I like it is because uh, if you read the whole series, it exists at this like great intersection of sexuality, self-worth, mental image. And it's all wrapped up in this like darkly funny universe and it is funny <laughs> and it is yeah. sex positive and it's one of the few comics i think that that contains sex but doesn't glamorize it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, these- in the comic mm-hmm. crowd uh we sort of call it cheesecake stuff where it's you know woman in a bikini fighting bad guys and her nipples are hard for the entire story <laughs> god knows why and it's just kind of like it's either you know one of two things it's uh, the the um uh, obviously they want to sell books or right um, or there's people that don't quite understand uh how um nipples work <laughs> right <laughs> that's true if you wear spandex automatically that's how the nipples work um <laughs> yeah, but this comic, I think that's why I like this comic. And then also the, the thing about the sex and the representation of women and, and men too, it's got yep. these sexual moments that are mortifying or funny or lonely or weird or empty. And some are like 
revelatory and it's it's a very approachable and realistic portrayal of sex. Um, and, you know, we've already talked about like women aren't really written well in comics as fully functioning autonomous characters. And I think Matt Fraction does a really good job of writing something intensely relatable for both sexes, uh, like loneliness being a big theme uh, or the idea that sex alone doesn't cure loneliness or yeah. fe that feeling of being broken and out of place and stuff. Um, and it's all people learning to get out of their own way and be happy. And um, yeah, even dealing with trauma and a bunch of things like that. It's just really self-aware. It breaks the fourth wall a lot, which I love. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. it's cliche, yeah. but I do. Um <laughs> But and they and they're not great people. Again, they're all flawed sort of people. Um, mm. But I think talking about sex in the way that it is in sex criminals is something yeah. that needs to be done. It needs to be normalized, not glamorized, but making it a comedy and throwing in like really flawed, messed up characters. It breaks the taboo and takes the bite out of it, which I wish more people would do because. I don't know. Maybe we'd be less repressed over here. <laughs> maybe less violent. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not just America. Um, <laughs> oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> that's um, true. But we have guns and that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, bad combo. Um, bad combo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So my something readable is Beastars. Now, yes. Most of our listeners are probably familiar with the Netflix series based ours. So mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about the uh, manga, or is it manga? One of those. Um, yeah. Now, it features an anthropomorphic sort of uh, race of different creatures. So basically any type of mammal is anthropomorphized in this uh, manga. Now, it depicts this kind of this school where the herbivores go as well as the carnivores go. And it initially starts with uh, this this sort of um, this murder that happens. So, um, oh, bearing in mind that with this show, apparently there's a truce between herbivores and carnivores. Mm -hmm. um, and that truce is so ingrained in this in this fictional sort of society that any that any kind of uh, uh, like uh, carnivores eating herbivores is just a big no-no. It's it's a, a bit of a taboo. So one one of the uh, the herbivores is uh, engorged, I guess you could say, um, devoured, and that sort of starts this kind of very paranoid element, this kind of very closed-in and claustrophobic element of the herbivores not really trusting the carnivores. And we eventually are sort of lead on to the the main characters. Um, now the main character uh, is Lagoshi. He's sort of this this towering grey wolf. He uh, is sort of going through adolescence. And one of the things about this series is with adolescence for carnivores, it sets them on this sort of this bloodlust that they sort of have mm. to repress. And for some reason, he decides to bite onto this this white rabbit, who mm -hmm. uh, her name is Haru, and it sort of just uh, he becomes obsessed with her, to mm -hmm. sexually obsessed with her, which just sort of starts this sort of strange kind of trajectory of uh, sex and in in like devouring someone is sort of intertwined in this world and. 
but mm. it's interesting. I think it's just an interesting sort of series to to read. If you don't want to read it, the the uh, sort of the first uh, uh, manga book is um, it's sort of most of it's covered in the the first season of the show anyway on Netflix. So mm. it's it's uh, bizarre, but in a good way, which I think sort of raises questions about. Uh, about a whole range of things about sort of repressing stuff about mm-hmm. um, about sex about I mean there's there's sort of elements that are revealed that Haru the the white rabbit she's promiscuous and right. there's sort of um, but not in a way that's um, that I guess is guess is slutty she's just you know she just owns herself she's that's how she wants to live and mm-hmm. and um, I and I guess it sort of raises questions around, like, it makes us question our own what we deem acceptable um, sexually. So, um, yeah. yeah, you said on Twitter if you could mention sex a whole lot, and I think I've mentioned it more than you have. <laughs> six and six and six. I have to catch up with you real quick. I'm just going to say it for like 15 yeah. times now. Um, <laughs> we start the podcast off and I'm just going, okay, sex, 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 sex. Um, no, but... <laughs> Um, I actually found that whole dynamic really engaging, um, specifically Legosi, because you don't know what to expect from him at the beginning. Um, and they do a lot of really, uh, they do quite a bit of sub- subversion of expectations, especially mm-hmm. in the first few. And then you kind of get the sense that, okay, some weird stuff is going to happen. Um, and I actually just got, you know, a little bit past that point of him meeting Haru and becoming sort of obsessed and talking about the the softness and, you know, all of these things that he's, that he's thinking about. And, um, it's really engaging. I think probably primarily because he's holding back that feral instinct. And, um, yeah, yeah, it creates this really great tension. And, uh, Mm. I don't know. I found it really engaging. So even though I've been reading it, um, I want, I probably will end up finishing it because I'm really kind of taken with it. I'm, I feel the same apprehension about buying a whole bunch of, uh, manga books as (laughs) probably the same way that you feel about comic books, because, you know, Mm. once you buy one, if you like that one, then you have about 30 other of the fuckers (laughs) to buy. So, um, (laughs) so it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh you know, cross to bear. So, mm-hmm. Melissa, present your something listenable. <laughs> okay, so my something listenable is an album called Solid State by Jonathan Colton. Um, it sounds weird, but it is a sci-fi concept album. Wake up The day has begun Reach out and take the sun, shine it on the face of his music is usually, if you're not familiar with it, um, very funny. Generally, uh, he was sort of made famous by the internet, makes music for internet culture. He wrote Still Alive and the music from the Portal series of games, uh, oh, okay. Bubble, yeah. Warcraft, stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. But um, what I like about Solid State is that it's not that. <laughs> it's a break from all that. Mm. Um, and it's examining the potential future of getting lost in the internet or rather like losing ourselves to the internet. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, so Solid State is this great concept album. Not, It doesn't have the typical pompousness that concept albums sometimes have. Yeah. Um, 
but I got to see him perform it live when I lived in Seattle and um, right. Amy, yeah, Amy Mann was there singing with him and it was definitely just one of my favorite concerts. Um, but um, there's a lot to unpack in in some of these songs. Um, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Product, like, I wouldn't say you've converted me as a fan, but you can't help <laughs> but um, appreciate the production value sure. of everything. And so he does it all, does he? So he doesn't have anyone that mixes or masters it? I don't know. I think for this one, he might have done, have had somebody mix and master it, but normally right. he doesn't. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think it's interesting. There's the, like every song is a sort of vignette or a different story from a different perspective. So have, you know, some a story from the perspective of an internet troll or a robot or a corporate stooge or a self-aware octopus or whatever. Um, there's all kinds of stuff, uh, but it's all very dystopian. Um, and that's what yeah. that's what caught my attention was like in the first song. There's a there's a a line that says like red is for focus, blues to not get upset. Um, yeah. All eyes watching, no one's noticed me yet. And yeah. I think it's you know it's talking about living in a society where we are medicated just to deal with things and feeling yeah. invisible yeah. despite the constant surveillance. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like um, as sad as that image is, the song is actually really peaceful and dreamy. And this guy is thinking about breaking out of the everyday nonsense so it's mm. you know it's a it's a really great capture of both of those things the dystopia but also this idea of like hmm you know what if we didn't do this you know yeah yeah um yeah so i love it a lot it's great yeah it's um there's definitely a lot of styles in there like you said with that album it sort of kicks off with this almost um ambient sort of abm sort of vibe mm-hmm. to it um and then it gets into more of like a rockier pop tracks later on and then, yeah, mm-hmm. it just, you know, goes in and out of different genres. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's something here for everyone um, and it might also be a great gateway drug to people checking out other sort of more alternative and more, you know, internet-based sort of musicians and things like that that aren't mm-hmm. that where they might not necessarily be as popular. So, um mm-hmm. Yeah, he should keep at it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll go far. Oh yeah, he's he's really good. I think, uh, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I love about him is he was a guy who was uh, uh, what we call a code monkey in IT. He was a developer, and uh, he okay. just decided I want out of this, and I'm going to teach myself yep. how to write songs. I don't know how, but I'm going to teach myself by writing one song a week, and that's how he got good at it. That's how he ended up, I guess, getting famous for it. And yeah. Um, Oh, what's even more interesting, you might like this, is there is a comic book based on this album written right. by Matt. Yeah, written by Matt Fraction. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but uh, it's all based on the themes around like, each of the songs and stuff. And uh, I want to crack into it at some point. Excellent. All right. So my something listenable is Peeping Tom. Yes. Which is nowhere near as inappropriate as people might think. Um, so uh, it is an album by the the great um, alternative music master and maestro himself, Mike Patton. So uh, if you don't know Mike Patton, um, I'd say you're, you're either you're not a millennial or you've been asleep for the last sort of 30 years. Um, 
Peeping Tom is very much Mike Patton's sort of foray into what he considers like R&B and hip-hop and dub and sort of all mashed together with a bit of rock thrown in as well. Yes. such a good album because there's it's just something you can really get into um it has so many well-known artists which people might recognize from sort of the late 90s and early 2000s i mean just to name a few massive attack nora jones amon tobin um did you pick up nora jones in listening to it i and massive attack yes yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um so uh, it is just, uh, uh, I mean, uh, as far as uh, if white people are going to make hip-hop, it should sound like this. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Um, agreed. Um, no, I loved it, honestly. Um, as soon as I heard the, the lip work, the beatboxing, uh, the beginning of Mojo, yep. and I was like, I'm sold. I like this already. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the great thing about Mike Patton, if uh, uh, have you seen Mike Patton live with Faith No More or Mr. Bungle or um, Tomahawk? Oh, no, no. So the interesting thing about Mike Patton is all the sort of the, the screams, the odd vocals and all those sorts of things, minus sort of that uh, the beatboxing you're referring to, he does mm-hmm. all of it. All of the sort of weird electronics and weird sounds and things like that, he does all of it as yeah, well, yeah. live as well. So um, huh. he also, uh, just for a bit of trivia, um, uh, recorded and I guess sort of released uh, singing uh, the the theme song to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which is about to come out as well. So yes. <laughs> he is just one of those people that is just so just endless talent. Is um, yeah, is uh, always up fair. there for me. <laughs> I love that. It's not fair. It, they're not allowed to be that freaking talented. But um, you know, I I liked a lot of it. Honestly, um, I think five seconds was probably one of my favorites um, because it had okay. this like horror movie organ stuff and then random bits yeah. of that metal style mixed in with the hip hop. It was, it was crazy cool. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of styles in there too, but all like they had kind of this through line of, of rock and hip hop mostly, but then they kind of, I mean, there was one that sounded sort of bossa nova E at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's possible. Yeah. yeah. There's so many styles. I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, if you liked the more sort of rockier elements to it, I would recommend that you check out this group called Dub Trio. So whenever you hear sort of the the, the actual instruments in this, that's this mm-hmm. the, the these three guys in this in this band that just sort of play like dub rock, and uh, it's them playing throughout the whole 
album, and I'm pretty sure they were the band that toured with him when he when he did a tour to release this as well. Ooh, cool. So um, we're going to do the verdicts now. So, Melissa, were any of my three pitches your kind of weird? Yes. Um, Peeping Tom for sure. Uh B-Stars I'm enamored with. Um, I think I need time to warm up to Techno Man. Yeah. Um, but, or Techno Man, whatever you want to call it. But for sure, uh, B-Stars I, I'm really taken with and, and Peeping Tom I'll probably add to my Spotify playlist. Excellent, excellent. Um, do you have something to ask me? Um, yeah, Do you, did any of these kind of float your boat? What do you think? <laughs> I think uh, Sex Criminals is definitely my kind of weird. I think right. um, uh, Agritsuko is definitely my kind of weird. <laughs> Regretfully, I don't think Jonathan Coulton's album is my kind of weird. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just there's so much internet music out there. I, I think it's yes. more just uh, I just don't have time to consume it. And I think that, well, I have time to listen to it, but I feel like this album requires repeat listening to sort of mm-hmm. get what I need out of it to sort of yeah. m- for it to make sense for me. That makes sense. It's not, a, it's not necessarily easy listening or anything. So <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, don't sense. get me wrong. I, I listen to a lot of really sort of <laughs> ambient droney stuff to post sure. and progressive rock. So I'm all for listening to weird. I just <laughs> don't know if I'm uh, see, my fear here is that I'm going to like it a lot and then going to want to get into all the other stuff he's done. So, ah. so that's my fear. <laughs> well, the good news is if you ever do, it's not like really anything else he's done. So you might be safe, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to go to a quick sponsor break. And then when we get back, I'm going to have a chat to Melissa to find out what she's been doing. Hello again, everyone. Producer Andy here again. Last time, I asked you to visit sodaandtelepaths.com to read all the latest on comics, science fiction, and horror. Listen, I've been looking at the stats, and I couldn't help but notice that not all of you went to the site. That's okay. You don't have to. But it would mean a tremendous amount to me if you did. As a reminder, on sodaandtelepaths.com, you can read all the site's interviews with people in the entertainment industry. There are movie and comic reviews. There are opinion pieces. It's enlightening, entertaining, and enlightening. Or do you not want to know about that stuff? Perhaps you have better things to be doing on the internet. Perhaps you know the keyboard shortcut to open up an incognito browser in Chrome. It's control shift n Or maybe you have some self-respect. Maybe you don't consider that one dude who thumbs up all your weird comments on Pornhub your best friend. And if you are one of those wholesome types, then get yourself over to sodaandtelepaths.com. Okay? Please, don't make me ask again. So, Melissa, you're a voice actor. Tell me a bit about what your your sort of your average day for a voice actor consists of. Because off the mic, you were talking about your horrible sleep patterns where you stay up till 3 a.m. every morning. So 
Yes. What is a voice actor's day for for someone who does it full time? What does that look like? Uh, that's a good question. So um, a lot of the work that you get in voice acting comes out of L.A. Um, and mm-hmm. I live in Minnesota. So uh, that means that I can wake up later. <laughs> um, okay. yep. So, you know, um, I wake up at a lazy time, central time, but at a decent time, uh, Pacific time. So um, when I get up, I usually have a few um, auditions in my mailbox that okay. I will go through from uh, either from my manager or from my agent or both. Um, and um, I'll go through and just, you know, you just give it a shot. Um, as a voice yep. actor, you get a lot of rejection, like a lot. Um, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, there's. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's from certain apps and platforms making it too accessible now that it's there's so much, so many people are, I guess, applying and auditioning for roles or... Oh, man, that's a complicated question. Um, I think, if anything, it's good that the market is kind of oversaturated right now um, because uh, a lot of the climate has changed for voice actors. It used to be you need to be in L.A. to do this. Um, But Mm. with COVID and everything else that went on, uh, remote work, everybody's working remote, everybody's working from home. So that, you know, what that does is it takes all of the stuff out of LA and it gives other people an opportunity to break into things, including people of color and underrepresented people. And so that has actually been kind of nice. In terms of with voice acting now, I, so so my sort of perception about how things might happen might be wrong and you can correct me, but I would assume, and this is just from, you know, interviews I've listened of sort of, you know, well-known voice actors that initially Mm -hmm. they, they would, you know, they might've gone to acting school or studied acting in college or something like that. And then they might've gone into, you know, auditioning for actual acting roles. And then as a consequence, yes, they may have gotten some acting roles, but they've also fallen into the voice acting market. How mm-hmm. did that journey look for you? Oh, uh, for me, it started with singing. So um, in college, my or my degrees rather are in uh, vocal performance and vocal pedagogy. Uh, oh, so I right. was a yeah, I was a classical singer uh, when I started. Um, and then at some point I was like, oh, God, I have I have student loans and therefore <laughs> I need to get a real quote unquote real job. Um yeah. Yeah, so I worked in IT for 10 years, but um, I left IT to pursue voice acting, actually. Um, I just, yeah, I got sick of the stress, sick of, you know, you kind of have to sell your whole life to X tech company that shall not be named. Um, (laughs) I don't don't think they're listening. I don't think I've reached quite that point with this podcast where the, you know, the CEOs (laughs) of X tech company are listening in. (laughs) You never know. They're everywhere. Um, no, but, uh, so I left that and I said, you know what? I hadn't, I hadn't taken a, uh, a vacation in like 10 years. So I did. Okay. And in that time I started listening to audiobooks, and that's what turned me right. on to voice acting was that I said, oh my gosh, this is a job. And mm. I just went full bore into that. And I was a saver anyway. So I had, you know, some time and money on my hands. So, um, yeah. And so I just hopped fully into it and I said, okay, if I'm not kind of up in the air doing this in six months, I'm just going to quit. But uh, yeah. So let's timeline that. So you were in IT for 10 years. You Mm. sort of went on that holiday. You sort of had a reset mentally, I'd imagine. 
Mm-hmm. How did you go about going in, getting into voice acting? What does and what what year was this? Uh, out of curiosity, this was not that long ago. Uh, well, it feels okay. like a long time ago. Uh, two years. This will be. Okay. I just yep. started my third year, so about two years. Um, yeah. So, um, gosh, I think honestly, I'm the type of person that just I will just jump in and do it and okay. figure it out yep. as I go along. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I went to a website for audiobooks and I said, well, I'm going to try okay. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, I realized audiobooks are really hard. And um, <laughs> um, I feel like they're hard, but I feel like it's a tough sell for a voice yes. actor that is just doing uh, the reading part. Mm-hmm. I guess it's an all right sell for a voice actor who's talented enough to sort of do the narration, do the different characters and things like that. Yes. But you can't, every audio book can't have the the sort of the production level and the money you put behind it like what um, Sandman, for instance, I think that's yes. probably the biggest <laughs> one. And that, that whole, that whole uh, I've listened to the first sort of, half of that and mm-hmm. that is just amazing but not all yes. of them can be like that so no yeah. and they are not they are not the majority no, of they're them not. Are not yeah there's some really um, horrible ones i believe the have you ever listened to stephen fry reads harry potter no. it is the worst <laughs> the absolute worst oh um, no yeah it's it's quite horrible my <laughs> wife who is a huge harry potter fan to the level of um, I would say uh, a fanatic to the point where if anything comes out that has the Harry Potter sort of relationship that isn't written by the original author, she who shall not be named, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, she just won't check it out. But she checked out the the audio book of um, Harry Potter, um, or one of them, and yeah, uh, and then I checked it out, and it is horrible. It's pretty bad. Oh, there are just no. some that that don't resonate well. No, they really don't. They're just so much work. That's why I I left audiobooks, um, and mm. and I fell into video games, and that's that's really yeah. what I do. I do video games and commercials and animated series mostly. I saw that. Um, you yeah. Did, was it Mech Warrior Five? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Mech Warrior, um, Aliens, Fire Team, uh, Magic: The Gathering, Arena, Grand Blue Fantasy, stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I do. I do either really cutesy characters or like really mean badass characters, and like nothing in between. Um, uh, so, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so can you give me sort of? With two sort of characters, can you give me your range and sure. but in a way that's going to blow my mind? <laughs> um, okay, um, let's see. There's a video game that I do called Rose and Locket, where I play okay. a mother and her daughter. Um, so I play both, and I talk to myself all the time. So uh, it'll be something like, <clears throat> "Mom, Mom, where are you?" And then she'll say. I'm right here, baby. I'm right here. And then you have that nice little play between the two. <laughs> that is so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, and did you say you did um, more sort of masculine characters as well? Or Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I do. Uh, there's a couple of, um, can I say this? 
uh, live action sh- TV shows where I play some fairly masculine characters. Uh, yeah, but they're in the, under NDA, so I can't say which ones they are. But yes, <laughs> right. Okay, fair enough. Not a problem. Yeah. So, how is? I mean, we might as well talk about COVID. Hey, is um that has no. that even affected you um in your line of work or? Um, I was already kind of a hermit. Um. So yeah. for me, not a whole lot. I will say that, um, f- I don't know, I can't say fortunately because I don't think there's anything fortunate about COVID. Um, but mm. my my work definitely went up because L.A. closed. And, um, yeah. you know, what's interesting that's happening for us is is now things are going international. You know, there's a lot of games right now out of Poland and uh, the U.K. Okay. and um, stuff like that. So, um yeah, it's just becoming a little bit more diverse, and and in that way, it's you know it's all right. But uh, I, yeah. I, I guess I assumed the UK, but Poland really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. The dying dying light games are based out of Poland. A couple other ones too. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, uh, so I mean, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, COVID mm-hmm. has been horrible, especially mm-hmm. for your country. Mm-hmm. But I think the from a working perspective. I feel like the, a missed opportunity here is for things to go back to the way they were in terms of how people work. I mean, hmm. ideally, it would be nice if people looked at things and go, oh, I can, like an employer looks at it and goes, or, or someone looking to hire a voice actor goes, oh, I can get uh, that person uh, and they have what I'm looking for, but they live at 800 miles mm. away. You know what I mean? Yes. Versus yeah. the old sort of trope of, Oh, they need to come to work. You yes. know, um, and 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 there's no logical reason behind, it, especially in your line of work. You've got the equipment at home. Like, why do yeah. you need to come into a studio? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think people cling to those older ways, and for some things, I get. Um, especially when you're talking about, you know, I know several voice actors from Australia, and they don't. You know, the taxation is different. Uh, uh, actors guilds and unions are different you know some of that stuff i get hmm. but when it's i don't even think we have one yeah um but when it's within the country i i really don't see why so even when i worked in it i worked from home so before okay. ever becoming a voice actor i worked from home hmm. and i worked i lived in seattle and i worked for a company based out of austin texas and yeah. uh there's no reason why everyone can't do that I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have heard that most people favor a hybrid style. Like some people really do like to be able or have the option to go into the office um, and then, you know, have the option to stay home sometimes. And I don't see why we can't do that. Do you feel like you're wired a bit differently to someone else? And you, I mean, you said you, you like being <laughs> the hermit. Do you just feel like that you just, you don't need as much of that human interaction? What is it? Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, I, I I have anxiety, I have PTSD, so I have a lot of stuff going on in my head. Um, but uh, that's why I get it out with acting, right? But uh, overall, yeah, I think I just need less, I personally need less contact. But even me, like, mm. even, even, the COVID is even getting to me, the isolation. Okay, yeah. And that's how you know it's getting bad, right? It's like, if me, a self-proclaimed hermit, is like, mm, yeah, I can see some people. Um, <laughs> I don't want to see some people, that. but I could. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, 
I'd like the option. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then, you know, it's it's getting pretty bad. But yeah, I think I just just wired a little bit differently. I've always been um, my my dad made it a point to because he was the same way to say, hey, there's a really big difference between being lonely and being alone. And um, yeah. good advice. And, yeah. And we're just big about being alone and being fine with that. You know? Yeah. So what are you working on at the moment? Ooh. Um, oh, that's right. You can't tell me NDAs. Um, well, if there is something you can allude to, by all means, you have the floor. But um, what okay. what do you feel that uh, is probably your, your sort of your swan song or your biggest thing that you're known for as a voice actor that you think people should check out if they haven't already? Sure. Um I think probably Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is a big one that people really love. They love that character. I uh, play Yule, and okay. um, she's a downloadable character. Uh, Aliens Fire Team is one that is especially close to my heart because I just I wanted to be Ripley when I was little, and this is the closest <laughs> I could get. I don't think um, I played that one. I played. Um, oh, is that out yet? Reese- oh, right. Okay. Yeah, um, it's coming. H- hang on. Uh, Ellen Ripley or Amanda Ripley is in that oh. one. Uh, oh, um, Amanda Ripley was in Alien Isolation, I believe. Yeah, and there's yeah. always, uh, I was just asking because there's always sort of, um, you know, uh, there's the odd interview or the odd article that kind of alludes to a sequel. So I was just wondering if somehow Amanda yeah. had continued on that game. Obviously not. No, no, new new team entirely. But um, there's a lot of stuff on IGN this month. It's it's Aliens Month or whatever for IGN, so they're doing a lot of stuff about that. But man, I love that movie. I, I love all of those movies, and so I'm mm. like super stoked to be able to be part of that universe now. So when it comes out, I'm just going to be so so thrilled, so thrilled. Well, I mean, in terms of powerful women, it's I don't yeah. think there's anything you know more original than sort of Ellen Ripley taking on, you know, chest-bursting, devouring <laughs> aliens. Exactly. With her brains, you know what I mean? Like not even a whole lot of brawn necessarily. That's what I love about it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I mean, even that, uh, I mean, Alien, the first one, is my favourite because nice. in a way when you get down to the bare bones of that film, it's not as much a science fiction film as it is sort of more a, a slasher film where yes. or a invasion uh, film, like an invasion home film where mm-hmm. the killer is out there. You can't see them. You can sort of, you can feel them with the tension, but, and how, uh, you know, Ripley has to try and outsmart that, that alien that's, that's killing everyone. Yes, I love that. Um, I agree. I feel like it's more of a horror movie than a sci-fi movie. <laughs> so, Melissa, where can people find you on your socials? Um, I am Melissa Medina VO on everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok now. I have one video on TikTok. Oh, it's so pathetic. I just started. Um, but, <laughs> I don't uh, have a TikTok, yeah. so. <laughs> it's for the youngins. I don't know. Uh, it's what all the young kids are doing. But uh, yeah, so Melissa Medina VO. And then my website is just hearmelissa.com. And um, I'm very easy to find. I'm very loud and opinionated on the internet. Um, so yeah, come find me and say hello. Uh, nothing wrong with that. That's what appealed to me and that's why I just had to have you on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. No worries. Now, um, uh, 
after this episode, uh, we're going to be going to a uh, once a fortnight uh, sort of format. So everyone, don't go anywhere. Don't freak out. It's I'm still here. I'm still talking to people about their favorite weird things. So that's <laughs> still going to happen, but it's going to come out fortnightly. I'd like to say that there's sort of this kind of grand master scheme as to why it's going fortnightly but I'm a dad, school holidays are coming up and that's the best excuse I can come come from. Um, so, Melissa, thank you very much for being on today's podcast. Um, if you haven't already, go check out my kind of weird podcast on wherever you get your podcast from. Melissa, thanks again for joining me. Thank you. You're my kind of weird. Thank you. And that's a wrap. See you guys in a fortnight. Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party. Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free comedy to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.